Well, if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling this morning, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, page 672 in the Pew Bible. And we're just going to read again at verse 1. Ecclesiastes 8, at verse 1. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. But particularly the question that Solomon asks, who is like the wise? Who is like the wise? And I want to begin this morning by asking the question, what is true wisdom? What is true wisdom? Because for centuries, philosophers, psychologists, spiritual leaders, poets, and a variety of other thinkers, uh, they have all tried to understand this concept of true wisdom. So what is true wisdom? Now we have to be clear, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge because knowledge can exist without wisdom. But wisdom can't exist without knowledge. Which means that someone can be knowledgeable but they can also, well, without being wise. So they can be knowledgeable without being wise. And there was a, a Greek philosopher from the 5th century, Socrates, the 5th century BC, when he, told, he was told that he was one of the wisest Greek philosophers. He responded to those around him saying that the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. He said the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. And what Socrates meant was that true wisdom doesn't really exist because... No one can possess true wisdom. Because the more you know, the more you realize how little you know. But you know, for Solomon, that wasn't true. Because when we come to this 3,000 year old sermon that was written and preached by the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon says to us that true wisdom is not a philosophical concept. True wisdom is not even about knowing that you know nothing. Solomon says, true wisdom is the ability to look at life and to live your life with an eternal perspective. Because for Solomon, false wisdom is rooted in earthly things. False wisdom is focused upon the here and now. False wisdom will tell you that it's, it's only the here and now that really matters. But what Solomon says is that true wisdom is rooted in eternal things. Because true wisdom is driven by the fact that one day soon I will have to stand before God and give an account of my life. True wisdom acts in response to simply knowing that I will have to stand before my creator and give an account of what I have done in this life and what God has given to me. True wisdom acknowledges that that day is coming. True wisdom looks with an eternal perspective. True wisdom responds by living your life always with eternity in view. Because although my Bible knowledge is limited and it's small, I know that the Bible tells me enough. It tells me enough that one day all of us, all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account before him. And if that's the case, then true wisdom will seek to live this life Preparing for that day. True wisdom will 
Seek to live life by looking to Jesus, living for Jesus, and following in the footsteps of Jesus. My friend, true wisdom is not about what you know. It's about who you know. And true wisdom knows Jesus Christ as your saviour. True wisdom looks at life with an eternal perspective. And true wisdom ensures that you live your life with that eternal perspective. And that's what Solomon is urging us to do in his sermon called Ecclesiastes. He's urging us to have true wisdom by trusting in Jesus as our saviour and living our lives thinking about eternity. Because as Solomon came to discover for himself, he discovered that we can possess great knowledge. We can even have lots of earthly wisdom. We can know a lot about this world. But without true wisdom, we will just be sucked in by the vanity of this world. And we will swallow the lie that this world can give us all the pleasures that our heart desires. But the truth is, says Solomon, if you live your life without true wisdom, it's all vanity. If you live your life with, without Jesus as your saviour, you're living your life in vain. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. That's the message of, of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity without Jesus as your saviour. My friend, you need true wisdom. And as we said, knowledge can exist without wisdom. But wisdom can't exist without knowledge. You can be knowledgeable without being wise. And sadly that would describe many of you in here today. You are knowledgeable, but you don't have true wisdom. And it's evident that you don't have true wisdom because you're not acting upon your knowledge. You're not responding to your knowledge. Because you know what the Bible says. You know that the Bible teaches you about God as your creator. About sin being your greatest problem. About Jesus being the remedy to your problem. He is the saviour. You know that the Bible speaks about your eternal destination. Whether it is heaven or in hell. You know all about that. You know about your need to turn from your sin. To turn to Jesus and commit your life to Jesus. You know all this. You know that you need to be saved. My friend when it comes to the Bible you have knowledge. There's no doubt about that. You've been coming to church for long enough. But the question is, do you have wisdom? Do you have true wisdom? Because true wisdom would respond to knowledge and live your life with an eternal perspective. True wisdom would prepare for eternity by looking to Jesus and living for Jesus and following in the footsteps of Jesus. And my friend, that's why Solomon is asking us this question from the outset. He's asking us, who is like the wise? Who has true wisdom? And he's pointing it at us and saying, do you have true wisdom? Do you have true wisdom that lives life with an eternal perspective? But before you answer, I want us to consider what Solomon says in this chapter about having true wisdom. Because in this chapter on true wisdom, Solomon speaks about three things. He speaks about a command, a curse, and a commendation. He speaks about a command, a curse, and a commendation. So if we look firstly at when Solomon speaks about a command. 
Look at verse 1 again. He says, Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of the thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? And so in order to discover whether or not we have true wisdom, Solomon opens this section with the probing question, who is like the wise? Who has true wisdom? And as we said, Solomon is asking you personally, do you have true wisdom? Because if you have true wisdom, you will respond to the command of the king. If you have true wisdom, you will submit to the authority of the king. If you have true wisdom, Solomon says, you will keep the king's command. But who is the king that Solomon is referring to? Is he referring to himself? Because at the time, Solomon was king in Jerusalem. Of course, he's not referring to himself. He's referring to the king. Solomon is referring to the covenant king of his people, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we said before, the title Lord that we often see and read in the Bible and in the book of Psalms, that title Lord in capital letters, it's used again and again in order to refer to the covenant king, Jesus Christ. Because the title Lord, it means the one who keeps covenant. Meaning that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the covenant king who keeps his covenant promises. And this covenant promise, it's a promise that was revealed to Abraham and to all his descendants. But it's an eternal covenant. Because it was made with God the Father. And that's what Solomon refers to in verse 2. He says, I say, keep the king's command. Because of God's oath, God's covenant to him. So we are to respond, he says, to the covenant king, who is Jesus Christ. Because of God's covenant with him. And the covenant that God the Father and God the Son have made, it's a covenant of redemption. In other words, it's a plan to save you from your sin. That's the covenant. It's a plan to save you. And as the Lord, the covenant king, as he's the one who, who keeps covenant, he keeps his promise, you have to ask, well, why does he keep it? Why does God keep his covenant? Because he loves his people. He loves sinners with an everlasting and an unchanging love. And he blesses people according to the covenant of grace. He's the one who keeps covenant. This is, is Jesus. And he's the one who acts on behalf of his people. And that's the glory of the gospel. That King Jesus has demonstrated to us how much he loves us in his death upon the cross. That's what Jesus said on his, way, on his way to the cross. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus said, you are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And that's the point Solomon is making here. You are a friend of the king. You're part of the covenant of grace. You have the promise of blessing and salvation when you do as the king commands. When you submit to the authority of King Jesus. And Solomon says that's true wisdom. 
That's true wisdom. True wisdom obeys the king's commands. True wisdom is submitting to the authority of King Jesus. And this is what the Bible emphasizes again and again. That in order to receive the blessings of salvation. And these blessings are the forgiveness of sin. Cleansing. Being made righteous in God's sight. Having the promise of eternal life at death. In order to receive all these blessings of this covenant of salvation, the covenant king, the Lord Jesus Christ, he demands that you respond to him in faith and obedience. That's what he wants from you. He wants faith and obedience. And this is what Solomon is saying to us. He says, verse 2, I say, keep the king's command because of God's covenant to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for what he, he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? And what Solomon is saying to us is, he's saying King Jesus is sovereign. King Jesus is supreme. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's overruling and ruling over all the affairs of this world. And Solomon is saying you would be foolish to disrespect this king. You would be foolish to turn your back upon King Jesus. You would be foolish to ignore his commands. You would be foolish to go your own way and do your own thing. But you know, there, there are many who are foolish. And they do ignore this king. And they do go their own way. And they do their own thing. And you know, we see it so often. Not only in life, but it's also here in the Bible. You ever, if you ever read the book of Judges, you'll see that the period of the Judges was a period of chaos. There was idolatry, there was adultery, there was child sacrifice. They did everything that was right in their own eyes. And that's how the period of the Judges could be summed up in one sentence. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But the truth was, there was a king in Israel. There was always a king in Israel. And that king was this covenant king that Solomon is talking about, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the judges, in the period of the judges, the people ignored the commands of the king. They disrespected King Jesus. They turned their backs upon, upon King Jesus. They did what was right in their own eyes because they would not have this man to rule over them. And as Solomon says so often throughout this sermon in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. Because King Jesus, he's still sovereign. He's still supreme. He still has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's still ruling over and overruling all the affairs in this world. And yet, there are still people who ignore the commands of King Jesus. There are still people who disrespect King Jesus. And there are still people who turn their back upon King Jesus. And do what's right in their own eyes. Because they will not have this man to rule over them. They refuse to bow their knee. They refuse to submit to the authority of Jesus and follow his commands. And sadly, these people that Solomon is describing, they are in our community and they are in this congregation. My unconverted friend, 
If you are living your life as if there is no king. And you're doing what's right in your own eyes. Then Solomon is saying to you today. You are living your life like a fool. You are living your life like a fool. And I don't say that lightly. Because as Solomon reminds us in his book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And for Solomon, true wisdom, that's showing reverence and respect to the Lord, the covenant king, Jesus Christ. True wisdom is bowing down before him in submission to King Jesus. True wisdom is confessing Jesus as your Lord. True wisdom is obeying the commands of this covenant king. True wisdom is living your life with an eternal perspective. Because the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of true wisdom. And with this Solomon he, he re-emphasizes the folly of having earthly wisdom. And living for the here and now. And not thinking about eternity. He says down in verse 6. There is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. He does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. And Solomon is saying to us, you don't know what's ahead of you. You've no idea what the future holds. You've no idea what is to be or what will be. And Solomon's point is that it's utterly foolish to live just for the moment and live for the here and now and not prepare for eternity. Because this covenant king, the Lord Jesus Christ, as you know, he has commanded a day upon which we will all stand before him and give an account of our life. It's a solemn, solemn message. And you know, when Paul wrote his letter to the church in Corinth, Corinth was a place just like our nation today, full of idolatry, full of debauchery, full of adultery, full of drunkenness. And the, Cor the Corinthians, they lived as they pleased and they did what was right in their own eyes. And yet so Paul solemnly reminded them, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He stopped them in their tracks and he said to them that each and every one of us will receive what is done in the body, whether good or evil. And the reason Paul presented such a solemn warning to his, the congregation of Corinth, he went on to say, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And that's what Solomon is doing here. He knows the fear of the Lord. That's what I'm trying to do here this morning. That knowing the fear of the Lord. Knowing that the Lord, the covenant king, Jesus Christ will one day call you out of the scene of time. And into eternity to stand before him. That's why I persuade you. That's why I plead with you. That's why I urge you to have true wisdom by responding to the command to bow your knee before King Jesus and confess that he is your Lord. 
My friend, please don't make the mistake that you bow your knee before Jesus when you meet him face to face. Don't wait until that moment. Bow to him today. Bow before him now. Confess him as your Lord today. Before you're too late. And so Solomon is asking you, do you have true wisdom? Because true wisdom would prepare for eternity by looking to Jesus, living for Jesus, and following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so Solomon has spoken about a command. But secondly, he draws our attention to a curse. A command and a curse. Look at verse 10. He says in verse 10, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. And so in order to discover whether or not we have true wisdom, Solomon again is asking us with his opening question in verse 1, who is like the wise? Who has true wisdom? And he's asking us personally, do you have true wisdom? And as we said, if you have true wisdom, you will respond to the command of the king. But then in this section, Solomon says that if you have true wisdom, you will consider the curse. You will consider the curse. And the curse that Solomon is speaking about is the curse that has affected all of us. The curse of death. And my friend, the, this curse, it's as old as the world itself. Because since the fall of Adam, we have had the sentence of death upon us. And as you know, the Lord, who was the covenant king, then as he is now, he's the one who commanded Adam. He said to Adam, you may eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And Adam disobeyed. He disobeyed the covenant king. He did what was right in his own eyes. And the result brought sin and death. And the Lord said to Adam, Genesis 3, because you have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. It's a solemn curse. And we still see the effects of that curse all around us. As someone once said, the world is becoming an increasingly bigger cemetery. And the mourners, we, are going about the streets mourning. My friend, the curse is real. And it's powerful. Because as you know only too well, it destroys homes. It tears apart families. And it brings with it nothing but heartache and loss and sorrow. It's our greatest enemy. And it's our last enemy. The enemy death. And my friend, this enemy of ours, it comes, as Jesus says himself, it only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the good news is, Jesus says to us, I have come that you might have life. 
and have it more abundantly. Jesus is the remedy to our ruin. He is the cure to our curse. Because through his death and resurrection, he disarmed sin. He defeated death. And he destroyed the power of the grave. Our Savior Jesus Christ, he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And the Bible says to us today that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you know what we have to see is that the reason Solomon is asking us to consider this curse, the curse of death, He says that it's for the sake of the unconverted. Because in his sermon here, he's asking those who are unconverted, do you have true wisdom? And then he says, as we read in verse 10, then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. And when Solomon uses that word wicked, the term wicked, he's talking about the unconverted. Now, although we wouldn't go around describing someone who's unconverted as wicked. That's the term the Bible uses to describe someone who's unconverted. Wickedness is the opposite of righteousness. And so someone who is wicked is someone who's unrighteous. And that's what the unconverted are. They are unrighteous. They do not have a right standing before God. and They don't have a right standing because none of their works will help them. And because the only way to be made righteous before God is through faith and obedience to this covenant king, Jesus Christ. And with this, Solomon is saying in verse 10, I saw the unconverted buried. And what Solomon says about the unconverted, it should be relevant to you if you are unconverted. Because Solomon says, I saw the unconverted buried Then he goes on to say, but in the past, they used to go in and out of the holy place. They used to come to church week by week, he says. And they were known, he says, and they were praised by those who were around them. But when I saw the unconverted buried still in a state of lostness, I said to myself, this is vanity. And you know what Solomon is saying to you as someone who's unconverted? What he's saying is that If you die unsaved and still lost. He says what will be so sad about you. Is that you came to church week by week. That you went in and out of the holy place here. You went to Sunday school. You knew your Bible. You were taught the Bible. You may even have had family worship at home. You had Christian parents. Maybe even Christian grandparents. You had all these influences and all this knowledge. But it did you no good. Because in the end, it was all in vain. It was all vanity. It was all futile. And it was futile and vain because you never acted upon your knowledge. You never responded with true wisdom. And Solomon is saying that if you die with this curse unconverted, unregenerate, still lost, if you die with all that knowledge and yet no wisdom, even though you know that it's right and true, even though that you know that today you know that it's something that you should do, that's something that you need to do, 
You know that you need to submit your life to King Jesus. Maybe it's something you think about doing in the future, something you hope to do, something you plan to do, something maybe you even intend to do before you die. But my friend, let me remind you about that old saying. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is just paved with them. Paved with good intentions. But Solomon says about the unconverted, I saw them buried. I saw that their opportunity had passed. I saw that they had missed their opportunity to seek the Lord. And what's startling is that Solomon isn't just speaking about those who died in his generation. He's speaking about every generation. Solomon is speaking about those, you could say, that used to sit where you're sitting today. Solomon is talking about the unconverted who used to come in and out of this holy place and be under the word of God and know about God and know about sin and know about Jesus and know about heaven and hell and yet the curse caught up with them and today they're buried and their soul is in hell. And Solomon is asking you, he's pleading with you, do you have true wisdom? Do you fear the Lord, the covenant king? Have you submitted to King Jesus? My friend, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Do it now. Seek the Lord with all your heart. But you know, Solomon also points us out, points out to us, Why people don't submit their life to King Jesus. He highlights why people don't become Christians. Even though they have knowledge of the curse. And even though they know that death is coming. He says in verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Solomon says that because God doesn't deal with our sin immediately. And because God doesn't condemn us instantly, as soon as we sin. Because of this, he says, the unconverted become complacent. And they become comfortable. And they put off submitting to King Jesus. They wait until a more convenient season, a better time in their life. They they know that they should bow before King Jesus They know that because of their sin, they will be condemned for all eternity. But in their mind, and this, this is what's crazy. In their mind, they're willing to take the risk and put it off. They're willing to put off bowing before King Jesus. And you know, it sounds foolish, almost madness. But that's what it is. Solomon is saying it's absolute foolishness. Because that's what... It's being done. That's what many of you are doing. Week by week you're putting off submitting to King Jesus. And putting off seeking forgiveness. Putting off bowing your knee. Putting off committing your life to Jesus Christ. In order to live in vanity. And just do what's right in your own eyes. And you're willing to take the risk that you might not see tomorrow. Just so that you can live according to your earthly wisdom. And it's madness. Absolute madness. And the Bible describes you with only one word. 
full, full. That's how the Bible describes you. And I, I don't say it to you lightly. I say it to you with all honesty. Because this is what Solomon is presenting to us. He's asking you today, do you have true wisdom? Do you have true wisdom? Because true wisdom will prepare for eternity. And it will prepare for eternity looking to Jesus and living for Jesus and following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so Solomon, he's spoken about a command, a curse, and lastly and briefly, a commendation. A commendation. Look at verse 15. Solomon says there, And I commend joy. For man has no good thing under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And so in order for us to discover whether or not we have true wisdom, Solomon, he's asking us again in this section, the same question of verse 1, who is like the wise? Who has true wisdom? And Solomon, he's asking us personally, take it to yourself personally, do you have true wisdom? And as we said, if you have true wisdom, you will respond to the command of the king. If you have true wisdom, you will consider the curse that's upon you, that your end is coming. And then in this last section, Solomon says that if you have true wisdom, you will agree with his commendation. Because what Solomon commends to us in verse 15 is true wisdom. And I commend joy. For man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Solomon commends True wisdom to us by living our lives with an eternal perspective and living with the joy of salvation. And Solomon says, you can enjoy your life in two ways. You can enjoy your life with earthly wisdom. By living in the here and now, for the here and now. Or you can enjoy your life with true wisdom. In the here and now, for eternity. He says you can eat and drink and be joyful with all that you have now and you will know that your joy will end one day at death. That's the curse. Or he says you can eat and drink and be joyful with an eternal perspective knowing that even though you have joy in this life an even greater joy awaits you in eternity. And Solomon says you can enjoy life in two ways. And you know, the Bible gives to us two examples of enjoying life in these two ways. Jesus gave us one example. He spoke about what it's like to have earthly wisdom. By living in the here and now, for the here and now. And that you can eat and drink and be joyful with all that you have now, knowing that your life will end at death. And that's what Jesus said about those who lived during the time of Noah. Jesus said, in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying, giving in marriage. They were enjoying life until the day that Noah entered the, entered the ark. And they were unaware, completely unaware, until the flood came and swept them all away. 
In the days of Noah, says Jesus, they had earthly wisdom and they lived in the here and now for the here and now. And they weren't prepared for eternity at all. But the other biblical example of life, of enjoying life, is when Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And he encouraged the Corinthians to be thankful. He encouraged them to be thankful to the Lord for for everything in life. And he said that they can enjoy life by having true wisdom because they're living for eternity. And he says you can eat and drink and be joyful with an eternal perspective on life knowing that at death an even greater, an even greater joy awaits you there. Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it with all true wisdom. Do it with an eternal perspective. And you know, my friend, you can enjoy your life in two ways. You can enjoy it with earthly wisdom, living in the here and now for the here and now, and not being prepared for eternity. Or you can enjoy life with true wisdom, living in the here and now for eternity, living your life for the glory of God. And Solomon is saying to you, which way you enjoy it is up to you. But of course, Solomon in verse 15 is saying, I commend true wisdom. I commend an eternal perspective on life. I commend having faith in the covenant king, Jesus Christ. That's Solomon's recommendation. That's my recommendation. That would be every Christian in here. That would be their recommendation to you. To live in the here and now for eternity by following Jesus, by looking to Jesus, by living for Jesus. And so my friend Solomon has reminded us today about a command, a curse and a commendation. And he's asking you, do you have true wisdom? Do you have true wisdom? Because true wisdom would prepare for eternity. It would prepare for eternity by looking to Jesus, by living for Jesus and following in the footsteps of Jesus. So do you have true wisdom? May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we ask thee this morning, as thy word gives reminds us there that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely. Our Lord, that each and every one of us would ask thee this morning for that true wisdom, to have the fear of the Lord which is the beginning of wisdom, and that we would live our lives facing eternity, realizing that there is but one step between us and death, But Lord, help us to enjoy life, to enjoy all the blessings and all the benefits of it, because thou art the one who gives it to us. But help us to enjoy everything with that eternal perspective and to know that it will all end one day. But for those who are in Christ, oh, there is a joy that lasts forevermore. Help us, we pray thee, to live life 
all with true wisdom and with an eternal perspective by looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Go before us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We shall conclude our service by singing to God's praise in Psalm 111. Psalm 111, page 391, in the blue psalm book. Psalm 111, we're singing from verse 7 down to the end of the psalm. And this psalm, it's speaking about King Jesus, the one who is the Lord. It says in verse 7, His handiworks are truth and right. All his commands are sure. And done in truth and uprightness, they evermore endure. He sent redemption to his folk, his covenant for aye. He did command his holy name, and reverend is all way. Wisdom's beginning is God's fear. Good understanding they have all that his commands fulfill. His praise endures for aye. These verses, in conclusion, to God's praise. the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.